money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the tip of the week. So uh, uh, one of my girlfriends who is uh, an expert at all things YouTube said, Shanoa, you really need to do a presentation that's called an overview of real estate investing. And I'm thinking, well, most of my presentations are less than an hour and that's going to take me about three days to go through. And so I decided to make it into a series. And as part of our tip of the week, as part of an overview for real estate investing, uh, you can see for those of you guys who are watching online or in person, uh, what some of that series is going to include. So specifically today, uh, we're going to go through marketing, but it's going to be about a 10 part series. So you guys can uh, be in person with us tonight and you can watch the rest online. But today specifically, I want to talk about marketing and how you can use marketing in your business as a real estate investor to um, uh, bring in the best deals and how to do the best marketing ultimately. So there are a couple of acronyms that I love. ABC is, is the one, always be closing, right? Uh, but in order to always be closing, you must always be marketing, right? And I'm curious uh, to know how many of you guys in here are actively doing marketing in your business? Okay, a couple of you guys, a couple of you guys. Uh, so I will tell you this, uh, it's, 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 it's always uh, fascinating to me that uh, real estate, a lot of real estate investors that I talk to are not marketing or not marketing yet or not even thinking about marketing. And they're thinking the deals are just gonna fall out of the air. And I think that is how it works on HGTV, but it's not how it works in real life. And for those folks in here who say, well, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna get a deal and then maybe I'll start investing in my marketing, uh, which is like, I don't know how you put the cart in front of that horse. You're, you're trying to put a cart in front of a horse that's not gonna go anywhere. And what I like to liken this to, for those of you guys, and, and this goes in, in real estate investing or any business, um, what I liken it to is, is the brand Coke, right? Coca-Cola, probably one of the oldest and most well-known brands in the world. Coca-Cola spends every second of every minute of every hour of every day in every country in every language doing what? Marketing. If one of the oldest and biggest and most well-known brands in the world has to do that, what does that tell you about your incy beansy, tiny little baby little, you know, in the womb little brand that hasn't even started doing any, uh, have, hasn't even started. What does that tell you? You have to do the marketing, period, period. Um, there's no way that that deal's just gonna, uh, for the most part, that there's no way that deal's just gonna land on your desk. And if that deal does just land on your desk, then I would make sure that you do the due diligence to make sure that it really is a deal. So my recommendation uh, to all of you guys is to spend a lot of your time on marketing. Uh, that's something that we do, you know, even after 20 years, we're still doing it every single day. Me standing in front of you is a version of doing what? Marketing. What did I tell you I got my first deal? 
the RIA, where did I tell you I got my last deal? The RIA, why? Because I stand up here and I talk about investing and usually after I'm done, someone comes to me and says, hey, I've got this deal, I'm not quite sure how to figure it out. Would you like to help me or partner with me on it or fund it for me? Uh, why, why, yes, I certainly would, right? So this is, you guys should always uh, be thinking about marketing. Uh, now I will tell you, the number one marketing strategy that I see most investors use is something that I would call lazy, fruitless, and or expensive. What does that mean? What does that mean? Lazy, I'm gonna let somebody else do it for me, right? I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I, I went to a RIA meeting and I'm ready for my HGTV close up, right? That's what I think a lot of investors think. Probably one of the biggest ones that I find uh, investors, uh, and this is, this is the, s the stages that they go through, uh, one of the biggest ones that I find is that um, they go to, and I know we've got some realtors in the room, and full disclosure, uh, licensed realtor and broker in the great state of Texas, license number 0518223. Um, I'm not your realtor, don't sue me, get your own realtor. So it's important and critical to have an investor-friendly realtor in your real estate investing business. It does not have to be you that has to be the investor-friendly realtor. There's literally one realtor for every listing out there. So don't, don't, you don't need to go and be a realtor. But what I find is the number one path that a lot of new investors go down is to say, I'm working with a realtor to bring me what? Leads, deals, okay? Why do you think your realtor has leads and deals? They have access to the MLS. Well, don't you kind of have access to the MLS too, in a way? Can't you get online and search for these too? They're doing their own marketing, but what are they marketing for? They're marketing for someone's perfect house to sell, right? So most of the deal, so if you ask your realtor, bring me a deal, if they're looking in the MLS, it's mostly more or less houses that have been fully renovated, right? So what I find is, and, and sometimes a lot of realtors don't understand what a deal is. So a deal to a realtor, if you got the house for a five or 10% discount, is that a deal? That is a deal to an owner occupant. Is that a deal to an investor who has to buy it, force value in a six month period of time, sell it and make a profit? No, that's gonna be a deal that you are going to lose money on as a real estate investor. So not all real, just because they're a realtor doesn't know that they mean that they know real estate investing. So I know we have a realtor in the front row and I, and I know you're working on something, right? so I wanna uh, bring, it, bring you back to, to, to us. Um, I'm curious, what did you learn about real estate investing in realtor school? So, so, so what she said is you don't learn anything about real estate investing in realtor school. But a lot of investors assume that you do, right? It's only, but it's actually only through investing that you learn about investing, right? Uh, so what I find is a lot of them will get burnt out working with a realtor because it's like, oh, well, they're not bringing me any deals because to them, again, a great deal is 5% off, 10% off. That's a great deal. But for us as a real estate investor, what's the formula that we use that we have to live by, otherwise we die by? The MAO, which is what? The maximum allowable offer, which is what? I'm hearing bits and pieces, but for those of you guys who don't have this down, like literally this is something that a real estate investor has like 
Thank you, thank you. Uh, so I appreciate, he, uh, he or she was the one person in the room. It's 70% of the ARV, the after repair value, minus the repairs that are needed to get it to that after repair value. So it's basically a 30% discount, and on top of that, you're gonna subtract out the, the repairs. How many of those deals are actually on the MLS? It's about the square root of zero. Okay, and that's why I say it is a fruitless mission. And then you get a little burnt out after you've been working with a realtor to bring you deals for a while, and they're like, well, they, they're bringing me some discount and stuff, but it's not really enough for me to buy it, force value, fix it, and then flip it in a, a six-month period that my lender wants their money back in, right? So that's where it gets fruitless. Now, let me tell you where it gets expensive. What's the second step in the new real estate investor uh, psychology that they jump to. Well, I've got to find a deal. I'm going to get a wholesaler to bring me a deal. Yeah? How much is a wholesaler going to charge you for that deal? Typically 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, maybe if they're really good, $20,000. My question to you is, Number one, what could you have done in your own marketing for your own business with that same five, 10, 15, $20,000? Do you think you could have found more than one deal? Okay, I see some heads nodding. I see some heads nodding. And then let me tell you a little bit about wholesalers. Wholesalers take out all of what's called the risk-free profit out of your deal, and they give you all of the risk-full profit in the deal. So they basically take out all of the easy money. And typically they're not, are they typically bringing you a 70% of ARV minus repairs deal? No, they're not. So now you are already digging yourself out of a hole because as a real estate investor, you guys all know this, we make our money on the buy. If we do everything right, if we manage the property right, if we nail that ARV, if we nail our repair budget, then yes, we will make money when we go to resell it. But if we buy it wrong, we're automatically digging out of a hole and sometimes that hole is impossible to dig out of. And then I will tell you what your next mental move is and only because I've seen this for 20 years, the next mental move is, I know I overpaid for this property. I know I did, but here's how I'm gonna fix it. And what's the fix? I'm going to do everything myself. Brilliant. Ask any hard money lender, and what they will tell you is if you tell them, I'm going to be doing all the work myself, they know that you are going to go over your six-month deadline because they know it's going to take you twice as long to do it, so they know they're going to get to charge you points twice, and they know that it might end up not very well because if you started at your fix and flip in January of, or uh, May of last year, right, and you're still working on it today, has the market changed? The market in some cases has pulled the rug out from underneath you, especially if you're using some of those old comps. So know that that uh, wholesaler marketing can be expensive and it's not gonna ultimately build your business. What I will tell you is any person who's been buying from wholesalers for a while has said what? You know, I think I, think I should be doing my own marketing because I think I could get better deals. I will tell you there is one thing that wholesalers do better than anyone else. What do you think that is? Marketing, right? So that's why I want it to be important to you guys too. Now let's talk about some of the lists that are out there. 
Now, uh, some of my favorite lists, sometimes I call it my grocery shopping list, if you will, for a real estate investor, uh, the, the lists that are urgent, the lists that have hard deadlines, and the lists that are motivated, or at least we think they are motivated. But many times when we talk to some of these people who are living in their houses, it's about to go to foreclosure, what's the number one objection that they give you? It's like, duh, haven't you figured that out? That's why I've been staying here for the last year not making payments, right? So I will tell you, you think that they should be motivated to sell and ready to sell immediately. But if you, uh, and, and you'll only know this after you've talked to hundreds of them, that that's not always the case. But how do we find some of those ones where those deadlines are hard? These are the notice of substitute trustee list. What does that mean? Do you know what that means? Who knows what that means? When a they're about to go into foreclosure. I call, kind of call it the pre-foreclosure pre list, right? So basically when a Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America gives you a loan on the deed of trust, they, they'll list a trustee, which is usually a large national law firm. But when things hit the fan and go wrong, that large national law firm will assign the trustee duty to a local attorney. And the local attorney is the ultimately the one that goes to the courthouse and does the and processes and does the calling for the foreclosure. Okay, so that means that someone is so far behind that they're about to have to assign it to somebody to go and and, and foreclose on them. So that's my that's one of my favorites. The second is the pre foreclosure list. Okay, so usually they're on the notice of substitute trustee list before they're on that pre foreclosure list. The pre-foreclosure list, that's the 21-day list. So that means in 21 days, we're taking it to auction. And you'll see most of the listings come out right on that 21st day because they're hoping that you're going to, uh, that the owner will reinstate it before then. Now, I told you about the tax sale list. So on the tax late list, I would imagine the 54-county North Texas area, there's probably about 30,000 or more people on that tax late list. Why are there so many people on that tax late list? Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Values have doubled, right, in the last five to 10 years. And the property taxes have gone up. And, and is it going up at the same rate that their wages are going up? Probably not, right? Probably not. So you'll see a lot of people on that tax late list. And you'll also see, and I'm curious, who are my landlords in the room? Landlords, what, you know, as a homeowner, it's pretty easy to make sure that our taxes are topped out at not getting more than that 10% increase every year. But as a landlord, how's that working out? Not very well. So that means if you're escrowed, uh, you're just getting love letters as your mortgage company does the escrow analysis, which typically they do that every March. And they write you a letter that says, hey, um, you can either write us a check for $6,000 or we can just increase your monthly payment by $500 a month to make sure that we are, uh, um, <clears throat> you're not underwater on your escrow balance right? That's what that letter looks like. So even investors who own rental property, and especially the ones that don't have it escrowed, right? So are just paying the principal and interest every month to their lender. That is a painful moment for them, right? So you'll see more people on the tax late list now more than ever, now more than what I saw 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and even 10 years ago because of this, um, uh, because of the increases in prices that we see, we've seen. 
Some other lists that should be urgent, but sometimes are not, the tax late list, right? Sometimes it takes them five years, 10 years to actually move them from the tax late list to the tax sale list. So if you are marketing to that, um, that's, one of those, that's one of those lists where you say, man, I hope I get a lead while my clothes are still in style, right? While we're young, because that list takes a really long time, but a lot of new investors think, well, they should be motivated. They're getting letters, they're behind this, this high interest rate that they're gonna have to pay when they have to reinstate it, but some people will continue to milk that list indefinitely. The code enforcement list uh, is another, could be, uh, should be urgent list, uh, and, it, and it can be. And it's also an indication that maybe the house is vacant, maybe there's a lawn issue, but I will tell you as a real estate investor, I have personally been, one of my rental properties was on the code enforcement list. And one of the members of the RIA actually came up to me and said, hey, I'm gonna be sending you a letter. I noticed you're on the code enforcement list. And I'm like, me, I'm not selling, I'm in acquisition mode. You know that, what, what, what do you mean I'm on the code enforcement list? So as it turns out, uh, and this is, this is tenant logic, um, and some of you guys with rental property will uh, understand this. Tenant logic is that the day that I move out of the house, it is also bulky trash day, right? Yes, so that's how I ended up, one of my properties ended up on the code enforcement list. So sometimes there are major issues, sometimes they're not. So again, this is, uh, should be urgent, but not always. Bankruptcy, so one of the number one reasons people declare bankruptcy is why? Because they're about to lose their house to foreclosure. Uh, most of the time they're gonna hold off on the bankruptcy until they are put on the foreclosure list, but sometimes they might uh, declare bankruptcy maybe a month or so before that opportunity. Divorce, again, is one of those things that you think it should be on um, an urgent list, but in many cases, as part of the divorce decree, the person who gets the house also gets the money to be able to pay for the house, at least for a certain amount of time. So <clears throat> not always uh, super motivated. Probate list, uh, what I've noticed about this list is there are people that are on it that, you know, they'll just keep that house empty and vacant for years, years. Uh, in fact, one of uh, my favorite deals I got after I'd marketed to someone who was on uh, the probate list for over a year and he kept the electricity on, he paid all the property taxes, he had the lawn mowed, uh, the house was in pretty good condition, he just lived in a different state. So a lot of us think, oh, well, they should be motivated, they got this house, they live in a different state, they, you know, but they had the money to be able to keep it up even though they weren't actually using it. Uh, airship is sort of the, the, uh, the second process of the probate part. Loan modification, what does the loan modification list tell you? What do we know about the loan modification list? Why are they doing a loan mod? They're in trouble, they got behind, right? And a lot of people over the last couple of years did get in trouble and did get behind. And so they took maybe their $50,000 that they were behind, they went to the bank and said, I need you to work something out with me. The bank took that $50,000 behind, put it on the back end of that loan. And when, when is the first time that they typically, um, are, um, how soon after they get approved for the loan mod do most loan mods fail? That loan mod list is a good predictive pre-foreclosure list, but just know when you look at that loan mod list, one of the things that um, seller logic, so we talked about these you know, tenant logic, investor logic, seller logic, is you'll ask them, how much do you owe? 
and they'll tell you the original amount that they financed. But what they won't tell you, because they conveniently forgot seller logic, also because they're not typically making payments on that 50,000 that was put at the back end of the loan, they won't tell you what about that 50K. Who's gonna find that 50K? Title company's gonna find that 50K. And when are they gonna find it? Usually a few days or a week before you go to closing, right? After you've already made all the plans about how you're gonna be, you know, you're counting all your eggs, right? Uh, now, we do have a strategy for that, and, and that is the wraparound mortgage. Uh, so I don't think we'll have time to talk about that tonight. But if you uh, go to watch any of the other tips of the week that I have out there, and I've got over 100 of them recorded for you, uh, there's a one that I talk about specifically wraparound mortgages and how that is going to be um, one of the best strategies that we're going to be using over the next several years just because mortgage interest rates today are 7%, uh, but as of a Wall Street Journal article that I, I read about three months ago, 70% of the interest rates that are in America right now are under 4%. So is there a little bit of a, um, a, a yield spread or arbitrage opportunity for you if you're finding someone with a 4% interest rate, even if there's a big amount put on the back end, that you can wrap to another end buyer at that very low interest rate that's lower than the six and a half or seven and plus percent that we're paying today. Uh, so that's a cool strategy too. Modeled lists. So this is basically a list of folks that are behind on maybe a few things. So it would be what I would call a predictive pre-foreclosure list. So I told you about the pre-foreclosure list, that's the 21 day notice. I told you about the notice of substitute trustee list, which I would say typically comes out about 50 days before the act actual auction. The modeled list is, hey, we're noticing some things here that are a little off that are typically predictive of when someone is about to go into foreclosure. So I would say this list could be um, maybe uh, 60 to 120 days out. Uh, expired listings, so you'll notice I have a star here, um, and a lot of new investors will go after expired listings. They, you know, they, they've expired because it was priced incorrectly, right? Um, or they didn't price in some of the problems that the house had. So I will say on expired lists, they should be urgent, right? They, they basically, they've raised their hand and they've said, I want to sell. But typically they want to sell at a price that's not what the market says it's worth. And in those situations, the close is, the exactly what to say for the real estate investor is, I can meet your price if you can meet my terms. So these can be great opportunities for landlords to be able to get owner financing on a deal, right? Meet, meet my price, meet my terms. Unknown urgency, landlords. So I think a lot of people expect that landlords uh, are, get, become tired, right? So s some of the marketing strategies are to landlords. And I, and I know that's the case because I feel like my phone rings off the hook from people's VAs that are calling me from all over the world uh, for all the rental property that I have. But the truth is, I am not a tired landlord. Why do you, after 20 years of owning rental property, why do you think I'm not a tired landlord? Property manager. I don't do the landlording myself. That would be idiotic. That is a minimum wage activity, right? What do I do? I find deals with a lot of equity, right? 
I am on this side, I'm not on the operation side. Now I have a property manager that reports to me and anything that's over between 500 and $1,000, I've got to sign off on, but I don't get the calls in the middle of the night. I don't get the calls when I'm on vacation. I don't have to lease it. I don't have to know who's, who. I don't, I don't know, I don't want to know anything. I just want my rental property to do its job. My rental property has two jobs. What are the two jobs of a rental property? Bring me income, cash flow, and make me rich by appreciating and going up in value. Those are the two jobs. And then I give someone else the job of managing it just to make sure that the tenant is safe, right? And to make sure it's rented and to make sure that I'm not the one who's getting these calls. So now, how do you find the landlord who is self-managing versus the landlord who's not self-managing? So sometimes if you're looking on the MLS, you'll see, all right, these are the list of people who have hired a realtor to be able to lease their property. But you don't always know whether or not they're the ones that are necessarily self-managing. Uh, sometimes a clue, and it's not, sometimes it give me a red herring, is that it's owned in an LLC versus it's owned in an individual's name. If it's owned in an individual's name, there's usually a higher likelihood that they're self-managing, which usually can be a higher likelihood that they might be a burnt out landlord. Now, of all the landlords, who, which landlord type gets burnt out the quickest? The quickest. The people who are leasing a property that's a $3,000 a month property or the people who are leasing a property that's an $800 a month property? the $800 a month property. And some, in many cases, the Section 8 landlords. Although the government always pays on time. Now we'll see what happens with June with the debt ceiling, but I'm pretty sure they're going to work it out. But the government always pays on time. Uh, but those Section 8 landlords do tend to get burned out a little bit more. But I don't know that I want for you guys a Section 8 house because that comes with some other headaches uh, that we don't have time to talk about today. The struck off list. Who knows what the struck off list is? It's the stuff that actually went to auction that either went back to the bank right? Or it went or it sold to another investor. So if you compare the struck off list to the foreclosure list, and they're not on, uh, they're not on that struck off list, what do you, what, what, what do you, what do you think happened there? They did a loan mod, they did a short sale, they sold it to an investor who came in, they did a bankruptcy maybe, they did a temporary restraining order maybe, Maybe they sold it, maybe they reinstated it. Maybe they got a lifeline that is maybe a one month lifeline. But what does that one month lifeline mean is going to happen on the next first Tuesday of the month? They might be right back on there. So this is, uh, can be an interesting list as well. Estate sales, uh, I would say don't uh, call the estate sale companies prior to the actual estate sale because what is everyone who walks up to an estate sale asking? is this house for sale, right? And do the little old ladies and maybe the little old men too that are running the estate sale for these estate sale companies, do they even have a clue? Usually not. So let's get ahead of it and uh, do it uh, Do it at the estate sale. Obituary, um, so sorry to get um, uh, to this level, uh, but this is what I would call the pre-probate -pre -pre list. Uh, so um, you're just getting a little bit of ahead of it. Now you would want some type of a personal assistant to be able to, uh, or virtual assistant to be able to go through those obituaries to be able to find this in advance. 
um, uh, because it's not typically a list source that any of the list source providers uh, provide. Uh, so speaking of list source providers, Real Estate IQ, uh, probably one of the number one list source providers out there. Many of you guys might be going with some of the big national companies who are list providers. What did I tell you about some of those big gurus from all over in other states? Maybe not your best bet, but having someone who is local, who understands how quickly these lists expire, right? And how quickly these things turn into something um, is really critical. So Real Estate IQ and FLS Online, they're both local Dallas area list providers. They provide lists for all over Texas. Um, FLS Online is actually the only one who provides the struck off list. Uh, so something to be aware of and, uh, and estate sale companies too. So for those of you guys who are doing the marketing, that's going to be the hustle. These are the people, these are those of you guys who maybe are not working full time, but have a lot of time and energy to be able to put towards your marketing. Uh, driving for dollars, probably one of the number one things. Door knocking on those, on those folks that are waving the motivated seller flag. You guys know what the motivated seller flag is? It's the blue tarp that's flapping in the wind on the roof right? That's their flag. Um, and you know the ones, right? So door knocking, when you go door knocking, be sure to bring with you your business cards, your door hangers. I have a little post-it note that has all the information about buying houses, right? That I want to provide there. Uh, flyers, letter, letters of intent, bandit signs. Now, are bandit signs illegal? Do they bring the rain? Yes, right? So, so and are you paying a yeah, penalty to play. And the answer is some of you guys will say, I'm willing to pay that penalty, right? If I'm paying a $100, $500 fine, but it gets me a deal that makes me $50,000. Yeah, fine it up. Let's do this. But some of you guys are saying, I go 55 when the speed limit says 55. And this is not for you. This is not for those of you guys. Uh, cold calling. Uh, so you have to have door knocking skin or you got to have cold calling skin if you're doing that, which means a really thick skin, right? Uh, so you can do cold calling from those lists that I shared with you old, uh, earlier. Uh, one of the things that was not on the list is the for sale by owner list. Now, what do we know about this for sale by owner people? They are cuckoo badoo. Yeah right? They want something outrageous for their property, right? They want something outrageous for their property. So why in the world would I send you guys on a fool's errand for somebody who wants you, you to overpay for their property? And you can get your reps in with a for sale by owner person who's cuckoo badoo, and you can ask all these uncomfortable questions and get comfortable asking them. That way, when you get in the ring with a seller who's not cuckoo, You've had some practice as, asking these questions and going through these different scenarios. Um, so I want you to think about that too. Cold calling estate sales as well. Uh, magnetic signs and wraps. So magnetic signs, I've got a little asterisk here. Uh, what are our cars made out of these days? In some cases, not something that a magnetic sign would stick to, okay? So, so uh, if you, if you <laughs> now this would be a cheap you know, mistake because these signs are not that expensive, uh, but sometimes people are going uh, to wraps instead as well. Networking, so uh, if you're out there networking, you wanna find uh, bird dogs, money partners, uh, wholesalers and realtors, but remember we had that little talk about wholesalers and realtors earlier. And then you're looking for referrals from other people that you might know and other 
people who might be able to bring you deals. Now, uh, let's talk about the marketing that involves the money. So this is for those of you guys who are working 40, 50, 60 plus hours a week, have absolutely no time to do any of the marketing that's gonna take the hustle, but you do have the money to throw out the marketing problem. Marketing problem is, has one of two solutions. Number one, it's the hustle. Number two, it's the money. So you can be direct mailing. So these are letters and postcards to the people that are on, on those lists that we talked about. Um, this can be doing some online marketing. So that could be Google uh, pay-per-click. This is, could be Facebook. This could be all of the stuff that's going on in the socials right now. Uh, mass media. So uh, we've done this as part of large marketing co-ops. Uh, you, you, do you know how you know you are in Dallas and how you know you've left Dallas? You know you've gone to Dallas because you see the first We Buy Houses sign. <laughs> and maybe some crazy driving on top of that. Uh, but billboards, radio, TV, uh, and even going a little old school newspapers. Who in here uh, uh, gets the newspaper? I'm curious. Anybody? It's okay. I do. I do. I'm old school. I like to hold it in my hands. Um, okay, so good to know. What do, we, what do we know about people who get, who, who in here has a parent who gets the newspaper? Okay, couple of you guys. Okay, what do we know? So, 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 what do we know about older people in general? What do we know about their equity position in their houses? They have one. Okay, and, and so, so I know it sounds like I'm a thousand years old, but those folks are, are reading are reading those. So, something to think about. Uh, others, so having having a website, uh, there are some people, and it's funny. I've talked to new investors who are like, "Well, gosh, this woman asked me, do I have a website?" And I didn't have one yet. So, what are they checking? What are they checking you out for? Are you real? Do I feel is this a scam? Right. So, having a website, uh, even if you're brand new, uh, can really help you as well. Virtual assistants. So I say this is something that costs money. It actually costs a little bit of time and money. Virtual assistants, five six, seven dollars if you get a really good one, maybe eight to ten. Um, but the thing is you have to spend the time training them and following up to make sure they're uh, doing it uh, uh, correctly. Marketing, public speaking, right? Every time I do a presentation, someone brings me a deal or someone brings me money. That's why I continue to do this and be part of this uh, great group and also share with you guys how you can make money as well. So uh, again, just to recap some of those uh, different marketing strategies uh, here in one uh, slide for those of you guys who kind of want to visualize it all in one uh, fell swoop. And then if you guys liked our tips, I want to let you know, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to our uh, Texas Rias YouTube channel. So we've got 100. Was this valuable for you guys? Okay, two people. Yes, yes, I'm really breaking through here. It makes me feel so good. Thank you guys for all of your support. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.